Or do you want to do it? Are we recording? I was, yeah. go, I was going to talk about chafing. Go then. No, 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 no I can't bother. <laughs> no, fuck it, I can't bother. <laughs> Fair enough. It's in New York City. Take that. Okay. Hello. <laughs> well, thanks for that. That's all right. Man. That's, that's, that's good. Hello and welcome to the City Dad podcast. I'm Johan. I'm Ryan. How are you guys doing this week? How, how are you doing this week, Ryan? I'm, I'm, I'm good, mate. Well, as always, uh, uh, yeah, just been, been busy doing shit, buying presents. Buying presents for yourself or presents have, for other people? <laughs> but as you'll find out from, from, from a little bit later, mostly it's Tight-fitting clothing for yourself. <laughs> it's it's it's, it's really what you want. You want that thought in your head. Me in tight-fitting clothing. I can't get it out. Yeah. Every day there. It's, it's a wonderful thing. It's amazing. Is that yeah. one? Yeah. I'm just the gift that keeps, it on, keeps giving. on giving. It's <laughs> <laughs> like just like Christmas. Yeah, it is. Every single day. City Dad HQ is just yeah blessed with my my meaty flabbiness <laughs> goodness. My meaty flabby goodness. Although, like in the lycra, you can't really tell what's what. <laughs> no, this is true. This is true. Anyway, so all this chat about lycra, you've probably guessed, and all, well, basically everything we've been talking about for this for the last couple of weeks. Um, we've got Dan Lloyd from Global Cycling Network on the show tonight. And if um, any of you have ever, um, if you're into cycling and you've ever been on YouTube, you've seen him. Yeah, basically. exactly. Exactly. They've got they've. Well, they've kind of cornered the YouTube cycling market, haven't they? They they run the 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 premier cycling channel on YouTube. Um, YouTube actually helped them f- form, which yeah. Dan talks about a little bit. But yeah, we're going to find out a little bit really about cool that. Really cool guy, and yeah. he came about because I I I I've been wanting to get into the sport after not being able to do anything else really, and um yeah, they're, is they're that because you've messed yourself up so much? A little bit broken, mate. Yes, <laughs> a little bit broken, but um. Yeah. So, uh, so, without further ado, a Jew. A Jew. It's it's a thing. <laughs> oh, a Jew. It's a, a thing. D- is it a Jew? Is it a thing? <laughs> it's a thing. Everything's a thing. <laughs> Everything's a thing with you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. Here we go. Okay. Welcome everyone to the City Dad podcast. Um, so this week, um, as I've mentioned before, we I've taken up a new hobby, haven't I? That's right. Well, you claim to. I've not actually seen you do it. Yeah. Or. I just like to see you do anything to do with it other than talk about it. Look, I'm buying magazines, okay? That's a good start, all right? But um, uh, so so I've been dying to get these guys on and, and we've been in touch for a while and um, I'm delighted to welcome uh, Dan Lloyd from the Global Cycling Network. Dan, how are you, mate? Hello. Good, thanks, guys. Yeah, how are you? Very well, thanks. How are you? Really, really good, yeah. Um, we're, um, uh, we're really chuffed to have you on. We've been talking for a while, haven't we? Um, uh, the com- first conversation I had with you, Dan, was basically, um, I'm a bit broken, and um, I've 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 suddenly got into the idea that that literally my only hope is cycling now. So um, uh, started getting a little bit obsessed actually, without ha- with only having an I only had a knackered old mountain bike, but getting a bit obsessed with the whole concept, the whole sport, buying magazines, investing in a little bit of lycra, um, but uh, it, it's it's an amazing sport growing in the UK. 
Um, you host um, uh, and you're a founder, aren't you, of, of Global Cycling Network. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it and um, and how it came about and, and, and where your audience is and so on and so forth? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm not really a founder, although I was there from the very beginning of the channel. Um, but it started at the beginning of 2013 through a guy called Simon Ware mm. uh, and he, or our chairman and that guy called Andrew Croker, who's a very well-connected guy. Yeah. And they had a contact within Google, who's the head of sport, called Claude. And they got wind of the fact that YouTube were effectively trying to set up what they were calling original content channels. So it's very easy to forget, but only three years ago, YouTube was kind of seen as a, you know, this place that you went to watch throwaway videos, you know, cats, cats. or, you know, yeah. people coming off bikes or whatever it might be. But what they wanted it to become or have an element of was channels where you could go back to, you know, a certain subject day after day or week after week or whatever it might be and have some pretty decent content that you could guarantee would, you know, be interesting if you're into that particular hobby. So they set up, I think, Jamie Oliver's cooking channel, Food Tube. There was a science channel headed up by James May. I think they did about 40 channels and they gave us the contract to do the cycling channel. So that was how it all kicked off. And then they got the contract in about uh, September or October of 2012. And then it was, you know, all hands on the deck, basically trying to make enough videos to get us through January and February. And YouTube funded us for about the first year, I think it was. They gave us a big enough chunk of money for us to you know, hire a load of creators and a few, um, a couple of presenters and everything else. And that got us through the first year. And then from that point on, we've been sort of on our own two feet, albeit still with you know some input from YouTube, not financial, but advice and you know how to move things forward and that sort of thing. Yeah, it is an amazing channel. That went, you know. Yeah. You you were quite taken back by the production. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's very professional. You guys are doing a really great job, and I think it it's really nice seeing, mm -hmm. you know, what you're doing at sort of almost at an independent level, but like being translated into 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 the internet space at a very professional sort of grade. And so yeah, I think that was the other thing that you know YouTube didn't want it to be seen as just a lot of grainy videos, and of course now that you can get. HD, you know, even on your phones and stuff. Not not that we film on phones, but slightly yeah. more professional. Than that. Not not super pro, but you know, between good. phones and TV. Um, but actually, when you've got a smart TV that's hooked up to the internet on decent broadband, it, it actually can look like a proper television show. Absolutely. It doesn't have to look like a grainy. 10 second YouTube video. So, um, I mean, we're predominantly known as a YouTube channel, but actually we're sort of, you know, just a media brand in essence, yeah. which has, you know, Facebook and other platforms as well. So predominantly at the moment, you know, we're centered on YouTube and most of our views and revenue comes from that. But, um, you know, essentially I think it could kind of go anywhere really in the longer term. It's, yeah. it's looking, I mean, you've got 626,000 followers as we speak. Um, yeah, you must be pretty chuffed with that. That's a great start, isn't it? Yeah, really happy. I mean, I don't nobody that was involved in the company from you know Simon Ware that I mentioned earlier, Andy Croker, all of us that were there at the start had not only an idea where it was going to go, but in some ways, not much idea what we were doing really. It's of course, you know, an experiment from the very start in many ways in terms of finding out what worked, finding out what didn't, and then trying to get 
yourselves out there. Yeah. Um, it was difficult to begin with because when we used to go to teams at races or, you know, bike companies or whoever and say, right, we're GCN, Global Cycling Network, it's a YouTube channel, they'd sort of say, all oh, right, we'll get to the back of the queue. We've got some right, yeah. high-profile magazines Good to luck, boys. to yeah, start with. Exactly. Um, so it's difficult to get the um, access to certain things in the first place. But since it's sort of grown, you know, fairly organically because it can be shared on Facebook or Twitter or wherever – and people have sort of quite enjoyed it and the audience has grown. And now it's almost the other way around. We quite often have people uh, coming to us saying, well, you'd be interested in doing this or doing that. So it yeah. makes it much easier to kind of do content and also pick and choose what, what we want to do, really, which is a nicer situation to be in. I've really noticed that the access, I mean, I, I've, I've watched the vast majority of them just because I'm really geeking out on cycling now. So, so, and, but straight away, I just, you were by far the best channel out there, but I really noticed the quality of the access, the access to the people you're getting to, you're getting to all the race teams, you're, I mean, you yourself are now the, almost the face of Zwift, which, which, you know, is, what, what's that relationship? They just, they asked you to be, to be involved. How did that, how did that come about? Yeah, well, um, myself and Matt Stevens both knew from a few couple of years ago a guy called Eric Min, who's one of the founders of Zwift, and they've got a guy working for them called Steve Beckett, who our boss has got a relationship with as well. So it was, you know, again something which worked for both of us because we could get some access to Jens Fox, who they work with, and which is yeah, you know, actually name. it's. Yeah, it's done, that video's done incredibly well because they've got a lot of interest in their product and so it works both ways really. They can, you know, promote what we're doing and we can promote a little bit what they're doing in terms of just, you know, it's just a lot of that sort of thing, just giving it a platform and they want to sort of have it out there a bit further and that video I think has done probably 150,000 views or so. So it's got, you know, it's got quite a lot of publicity for, you know, what they're trying to achieve and people can see that it's quite fun as well. And they've only just just started as well, haven't they? Yeah. Huh? They've only just started as well, really, haven't they? I guess. They're a yeah, year, well, they're a year it's in, one of those they? things which has been quite a long term project for them, you know, in terms of creating that software to begin with. Must have been a you know a long oh, yeah. process. And I know Eric called me a good couple of years ago now, but they've only just put it into non beta mode in terms of people paying a monthly fee. So it's still early days for them, I guess. It's the same sort of situation really. They're gonna have to you know, see what works, see how many people are actually prepared to, to pay, you know, whatever it is per month, $10 um, to use the indoor training. But certainly this time of the year is the best one for them, I would imagine. I know, yeah, exactly. No one wants to see my gut in Lycra during the winter. Um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, well, I think you can decide how big your gut is on Zwift. You, oh, can you? You can edit it. Uh, yeah, in your, in your avatar. Fake it till you make it. I, love I hope it. you've got GCN kit. Yeah, I, I, I did see that. Yeah, no, I, I've just literally just done my profile in the last couple of days, so I'm I'm I've got to get the uh, Ant Plus thing and for a couple of the bits, and they're, they're arriving from Amazon soon. So, yeah, I won't be racing you. Let's be clear about that. Um, so tell us about. I'm really interested. This is one of the things that I think is a really important part of this. Is cycling has taken a massive turn, in, particularly in the UK in the last few years. Talk to us about 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 that a little bit. Yeah, it's been it's been nothing short of incredible, to be honest. So, I mean, I started cycling um, aged fourteen, so that's over twenty years ago now. Yeah. And as I was kind of growing up with the sport, I pretty much knew everyone in the area which I grew up in, which is around Bournemouth. 
um, you know, if I saw them out on the road and like, I'd generally know who they were or what club they were in because it was such a small sport. And you went to a cafe dressed in your lycra and you'd be kind of looked at as this kind of almost strange alien, like, what on earth are you doing in a cafe wearing all of that and on yeah. that bike? <laughs> yeah. And then in the last three or four years, it's just exploded, which again is, a, you know, probably one of the reasons that that GCN's doing all right because there's more of an interest, especially from beginners who we tried to cater for very much. Um, but it was really, you know, gradually picking out, I'd say through the, you know, the Olympics in 2008 with, with Beijing and doing so well on the track there. Yeah. Um, and then Brad coming forth at the Tour de France in 2009. It was starting to build up. And of course, you know, Mark Cavendish was a big part of it. You know, all these guys that were, were breaking into mainstream media and getting bits of coverage in in the newspapers that everybody was reading rather than just in the cycling press. And then, of course, it just all exploded in in 2012 just through Brad, really. Um, you know, first Brit to win the Tour de France and then, you know, winning the Olympics in, in London just a couple of weeks later. It was just this phenomenon, really, for, for him, but for the sport over here as well. Yeah. And so many people got into it and, and, and not just, you know, not, not just those mammals as well, but it just seems in cities and in particular London, so many people on fixies, you know, wanting to ride into work. It's just the whole thing really from grassroots to commuting to urban riding to mountain biking in Wales to just, I think all over the place, people are just finding that cycling is actually quite a nice sport and, you know, it doesn't matter what part of it you enjoy or you know how much you can spend on your bike once you get out it's good for you it can be quite good fun as well oh for sure exactly for sure exactly um there's a kind of i've got a bit of a cynical view of the newbie though and i'm really trying to not be that guy there's a lot of team sky kits out there it's uh what what is what does the classic cycling newbie look like you know it's it, it you must you must be laughing at all of us coming on board no, I'm not. I'm not laughing at all because I'm. I'm. I'm enjoying the fact that there's so many people coming into the sport, and that's actually again something that we always try to get across on GC. And I, I don't know if it always works because obviously, you know, we get given some nice bikes and nice equipment, but we always try to say, look, if you're getting um, into the sport and you haven't got loads of money, you know, you don't necessarily need to worry about what you look like. You don't need, don't need to worry about what other people tell you look like if you're out on two wheels and you enjoy riding a bike then you know we'll give you some advice on how to fix a puncture if you're out and you know how to get better at this that and the other but actually you know we, we might have made reference in the past to sort of not wearing replica team kits and that kind of thing but i think we've said that's all right but just don't wear the world champions kit because that should be reserved <laughs> for the for the one person who is world champion yeah. on the road each yeah, year. Yeah, save that for them, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, apart from that, I think it's great. Even if you've got, you know, your big belly hanging out, it's all good. It might be non-cyclers that look at you and think, oh, maybe you should wear something slightly baggier, but then you've got clothing brands out there that will cater for that as well. Yeah, it's true. Um, you guys have got a really good rapport. You, you, you... I mean, that's probably, I would say, it's part of the success of it. When I first started looking at it, I, th I can't remember what it was I was looking at. It was something like a, how to change a tire or something like that. Um, something that I should know how to do, but you just don't. Oh, I don't anyway. Um, but uh, you seem to have a really good laugh on the show. What's the, what's the funniest moment you've had since you've been, to, been live, do you think? Oh, uh, there, I mean, there are a lot, I have to say. 
um, I don't think I could pick out one funniest moment to be honest because yeah. I mean it's, it's a lot of hard work like, honestly yeah, I have no doubt about know, that I, I am it looks like it's great fun all the time but actually trying to create one video a day at least I think probably average about almost two videos a day each year at the moment you know it takes a lot of time to sort of script them and yeah they, believe it or not there are there are scripts although it probably doesn't seem like it um, and then the creators behind the scenes, the people that do the camera work and the, you know, the editors and everything, they do an incredible job as well. But it, it is good fun and it's great to be able to sort of still make a living from what's effectively been my hobby really for the last 20 years. Um, so it's always just good fun on the set with, you know, not just Cy and Lasty and Matt, but also, you know, the other guys behind the scenes who, you know, I've got a really good relationship with as well. You know, you, you know what it's like when you're around a bunch of people all the time that you sort of, you know, none of us really ever argue with each other. And there's all the in-jokes and the stuff from years ago that gets brought up at certain times. So, it, you know, I couldn't pick one particular moment, but there's normally at least a couple of points every time we get together where we have a good laugh about something. It's quite nice when you have that sort of camaraderie as well. And it kind of like, it translates well across the screen. And I'm sure like, having been sort of in a team sport myself previously you kind of have that you know in your team as well so um just off the back of like what we discussed earlier about the you know how there's been this massive increase in like the take-up of the sport particularly in the UK off the back of the Olympics what do you think it's looking like for the future both for you guys at GCN and also for cycling in general wow um Boom. Well, I'll start with I'll start with GCN. Um, although I I don't know if I'm going to be able to answer really, not because I don't want to tell you, but I really don't know where we're going to go over the next couple of years. I mean, it has already been going three years now, but it feels yeah. like longer almost. Even do you think, it's been do you think it'll end up on mainstream TV? I don't know. I don't know. I think possibly you know there could be a chance of doing you know a weekly show on a you know maybe a 10 week series or on something but it's certainly nothing that's we've ever talked to a tv company about but that's what i was saying earlier is that it's not you know we're not just a youtube channel mm. but we're very happy on there at the moment but there's we're not we're not under contract with them to not do anything else so if an opportunity came along and somebody wanted us to do you know as i said a series of, of weekly shows we could try and find a way to do that, <clears throat> although it would have to be almost, we'd have to find the time because, as I said at the moment, we're so busy making all this content for, for our normal channel that to find an extra bit of time to do, you'd, uh, you know, sort of a TV show on top of that would be, you know, it would take some doing, but then if that opportunity came along, then I guess we'd have to take it with both hands. Although, on the other hand, the way that media is going is almost away from TV, really. I mean, I remember when the channel first started and uh, Simon Ware, the boss, he's a real visionary, so he used to be head of, uh, of Future Publishing. And he left that because he could see that magazines, you know, way before they were about to take a massive downturn, weren't the future anymore. Yeah, yeah. And he sat me down and explained um, why he thought this would work and where things were going to go in the future. And actually, in the three years since it really has gone that way. And I look at my two kids, you know, one's 13, one's four. 
and they both come home from school, and for the first hour until they have to get on with homework or something else, they're just watching YouTube, you know, various videos about various things, obviously, you know, different ones yeah. at different ages. Um, and that is the way that, that media's going. And even when some they're watching a TV program, they might be watching something on their device as well, which is related to the TV program, like an extra bit of interaction on top of what they're viewing exactly. on the normal box. So it's just yeah. changing so quickly that it's quite hard to predict, you know, which way it's going to go. But yeah. I'm sort of confident I'm with the right person who can almost sort of see which way things are going. So that's been really interesting. In terms of where the sport's going to go, I mean, that's a really big subject as well. So in terms of the professional side of the sport, perhaps outside of the UK as a whole, uh, I'm not super involved with that side of things anymore, but it does seem to have, there's still quite a lot of work to do there because the teams are still in the same situation where they don't have any um, financial gain from anything except for sponsors. So there's no ticket sales, there's no... You know, yeah. revenue really from anything but the yeah. main sponsor and that means that they're always on a knife edge and that's what they're trying to work on at the moment but it seems to be taking quite a long time yeah. but in terms of you know where it's going to go in the UK I, I hope I, I don't know if it can get that much bigger maybe it will but the you know the participation side of things in you know sportive events and just the general number of people that you see out on the road is is already great so i'm sure there's a lot of shops that are hoping it's going to get even bigger and bigger um but yeah I, i'm i'm not a visionary by any means but hope I, what i'm hoping is it's a bubble that's not going to burst because i would uh, i'd hate to see the sport sort of take a downturn in, in participation yeah absolutely i i don't i, I really can't I, I think it's i think it's got a long way to go still personally i'm i'm hearing guys talk about it all the time it's almost like a it's a, a right, a right of passage. Yeah. You hit, you hit kind of mid, you get kind of early thirties, and you think, shit, I'm a bit broken. What do I do now? <laughs> you know, well, it's, I mean, it's a great me. sport from from that point of view because where it's you know, as long as you don't come off, it's a non-impact sport. And That's so the actually, point. There's, a, there's a couple of pros, and Ryan, you were telling me over the phone that you know it's one of the only sports you can still do. Yeah. And that's right. And there's, there's a couple of people still riding. One of which is called Simon Gerrans. And he was actually told to do cycling as a rehabilitation for a motorbike uh, accident. He used to do motocross, I think it was, yeah. and found that he was really good at cycling. And now he's done you know, very well out of that and won stage at all three of the Grand Tours and wow. a couple of monuments along the way as well. But it, it is that sport which you know, it allows you to exercise without having too much of an impact on your body. So actually, you still see quite a lot of old guys out on bikes as well, you know, in their 70s or 80s, yeah. who are well, still able it. to do it because it's just about you know, turning the pedals you know, not too much power. But so yeah. as long as you don't come off, it, it it's really good for you from that point of view. Well, I fancy myself. I've always I've always fancied myself to have a bit of an engine. So we'll we'll see. I'll probably get embarrassed by guys ten years older than me. But um, yeah. well, that's the thing, yeah, especially on the flat. If you, what you often find is that you know even when somebody does put a bit of weight in, if they've had a background in cycling from years ago, that they can trundle along on the flat you know surprisingly fast way faster than they look like they're gonna go yeah, yeah exactly what what's um i was thinking of i've kind of been looking at i joined british cycling as part of joining my my local cycling club in norwich um and um uh if i'm i'm looking at doing my first sportive <laughs> around june i think uh june or may what would you say would be your uh the, any what would be your main tips to look out for then for, for for me what's the best bit of advice you could give me do you think 
Uh, well, I would firstly say work back from the day itself in terms of training for it. So if you've got, when you've got a date set, you know, you take one week before it where you should take things reasonably easy and everything before that should be almost a gradual build up with maybe sort of, you know, a few weeks of building up, week easy, a few weeks of building up and just make sure you're, you're gradually, gradually increasing the, the sort of in either the intensity or the distance you're riding each week until you know, the week before and then make sure you've got that final seven days to recover before the event itself. Um, in terms of the day of the event, make sure you've got everything organised in terms of you know, kit you're going to need the night before, in terms of the bottles, the energy products that you're going to need on the way around. You know, make sure you get there in plenty of time. And then once you've started the event, the biggest thing I always say is just just start out like it's feeling really easy. It should feel really easy for the first 25% of the event. And that is because where you've been thinking about it for months on end, so what we are at the start of December now, you're always telling me, already telling me about May or June, so five or six months away. When you've had something in your head for five or six months and you build it up and train for it, once you get to the day, you've got so much adrenaline there when you start off because you've yeah, built, yeah, yeah. It up, built it up for half a year effectively that, it, that actually you can be going way faster in the first few miles than you're ever going to be able to sustain for the entire event but it will still not feel too hard because of the adrenaline pumping through your body. So that's what I always say to you, just, just go really, really easy for the first few miles. And then by the time you get sort of 25% through, so if it's 80 miles, once you've done 20 miles, you, your physical body should have just about caught up, so your brain should have caught up, your physical body's done. And at that point, you can sort of let loose a little bit more. But pacing is the biggest thing because it's very easy to start off too fast and then just be on a you know, downward slope for yeah. the last 25%. But if you start off slowly, you've always got more to give towards the end. And you'll come out feeling better at the other end. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, so 20 miles in, sweating buckets and throwing up on roadside. Then you go. <laughs> yeah, then, exactly. then you unleash it. Yeah. You sound, sorry, you, know, you sound like an old pro at this. And I think... That was the, 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 the most hackneyed lead into that one. And I think loads of people... A, that was a botch job leading was, to that one. I, well, <laughs> I, I got the words pro in there and it was a little heads up about what we're going to ask about. But like loads of people have, have been asking about your pro career. Obviously, you're very shy and embarrassed about this yeah. uh, this element, Dan. We, so we've we're noticed all the videos. It it's terribly, terribly embarrassing. I'm sorry to do this to you. <laughs> but tell us about your pro career. <laughs> Right, how long is this podcast? Oh, as long as you want. As long as you want. <laughs> oh, is it? Because I'm going to take at least 30 seconds for this. <laughs> yeah, do it. Um, right, my pro career. So I was full-time as a rider from the age of 18, pretty much, because I took a year out of university. I got accepted into Bath and somewhere else and decided I wanted to try and concentrate on cycling. Actually, I said I was full-time. I had a window-cleaning business with my sister, so that was enough to Something to fall back on. Money. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, fullback was hopefully going to be education, but it was it was great money for a sort of part time job in comparison to sort of stacking shelves at a supermarket. Right, it yeah. gave me enough money to sort of you know only work two days a week and and ride the rest of the time. Um, it, but it took me. I, I, I sort of was in a pro team at the age of twenty three, but I do the inverted commas there because you know although I was racing against other pros, I was earning enough money to sort of 
scrape by in terms of accommodation and food, but nothing else by any means. And that it, it took me ages from that point to then get into a big team. So by the time I got to there, I was 28. Yeah, 28. So five years basically of sort of grafting. You know, I was, I was always all right at every discipline within the sport, so sprinting and climbing and everything else. But I was never amazing at one thing, so I didn't have that standout ability, which was, you know, which saw me get huge results in one part of the sport, which would then get a pro contract. But thankfully, I managed to get an opportunity at the Cervelo testing, just a kind of running joke on GCN of this team I used to ride for. Um, and that was in 2009, and I spent a few years at the top level, basically working for other people, was yeah, never a star by any means. But in those four years, I you know, accomplished more and did more than I you know, had ever dreamed of doing. So a lot of the races which I did, you know, it was just a dream come true to be on the start line, to be honest. And I was almost like one of the... I was almost like one of the fans on the side that I was riding past the podium. I could have just been one of them on the, on yeah, the bike. I was I'm looking back. around at the people I was racing against thinking, I can't believe I'm That's here. That's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah, and then sort of Pinnacle really was doing the Tour de France in, in 2010. So I only did it once, but that was enough for me. Riding, riding up and down the Champs-Élysées on the last day, I felt like I'd made it. Oh. Riding up and down the Champs-Élysées for me in 10th from last position overall was about the same feeling I reckon as Brad had when he won it. For me, yeah, that was yeah. the same kind of accomplishment. Exactly. It's buzz. all about personal achievements as well, isn't it? Like at that sort of level. That's, like, just, it's, that's the it's of brilliant. Sport. It's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's great. And I hope, and I always try to do it on GCN. I try to do it in commentary as well. I sort of feel like I'm, as I said before, I'm still a huge fan of sport. I still watch all the racing. I was a fan of sport when I was doing it and before I did it. And I sort of hope that I get across, you know, what it's like to be in there whilst not being as good as some of the, the best guys. Because, you know, they are just a, like another level, really. It's incredible how far some of those guys go. But I try to sort of relate that to the layman that's watching on TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Okay. So, yeah, no, that's, that's really cool. So we've got some questions from social media. We sure do. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, we're going we're gonna to work our way through them. And then at the end, you're going to have to pick your favorite question. Yeah. And that person will win some merch. So it, it will be down to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's all on you. So it starts off with um, uh, when, we, when, we, when we posted out some questions to, to, to ask you. Um, uh, Global Cycling Network got back to us first. Yeah, um, we hadn't even posed the question yet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, uh, and they asked, "Can you ask Dan Lloyd what's his what, uh, what his favourite mineral water is?" <laughs> uh, yeah, this this relates to a video from a couple of years ago where we where I went to the Ghent Six Day, uh, which is like an indoor velodrome track event over in Belgium, and. Uh, <clears throat> And there were some free drinks there, of which I, you know, had quite a few. And at the end of the night, I signed off with uh, saying I had quite a few mineral waters. But I guess what I was having was probably Jupilaire, which is a Belgian beer. But you know, it's a bit like you know, sort of water really for them over there. Yeah. So my favourite mineral water is a favourite beer, and I would have to say Duvel. Nice. Okay, yeah, nice. know it, know it. Um, uh... What's your uh, Adrian 
in the sorry, adrift in the adrift wood. in the wood <laughs> asks, uh, "What's your biggest uh, biggest fashion mistake?" Oh my goodness! I, I, I presume loads. it's probably cycling based. <laughs> oh, it could be anything based of me. <laughs> Everything that I wear at the time, I think, is great. And then, you know, about a month later, I look back and wonder what I was thinking. Um, I had a pair of green jeans a couple of years ago, which actually sort of like a day in a video. I'd, I'd probably say them. Nice. They sound they sound disgraceful. And then they we've were. got. I've still got them. I use them for gardening now. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Upcycling. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> Joseph Mark J asks, who is the best rider in the GCN team? Obviously, you can include yourself, but you must give a reason. <laughs> Hashtag the boss. Well, yeah, I'd love to say myself, but actually now it would be Cy Richardson. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, he, he, still, he, he still rides all the time and he's in the enviable, enviable position where he's in commutable distance to work. So... We're based up in Bath. I'm near Bournemouth, so it's sort of 70 miles, which I guess I could commute to, but it'd be difficult. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm sort of slouching in the car whilst he's doing his intervals between Bristol and Bath. And uh, and he, he still does a bit of racing. He's been winning a few cyclocross races recently in uh, in and around the Bristol area. So, um, yeah, and he's obviously a talented guy as well. But uh, that's why we put him on the uh, trainer when we do the Zwift things. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And he, he looks slick. Um, just, just kind of going on, switch, switching kind of nicely into the kind of the theme of the podcast. Obviously, we're 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 focused around around dads, but but men in general, I guess. Um, Your segues are unbelievable, sir. It, it's, it's brilliant, isn't it's it? It's just it's about as slick as it gets, isn't it? I know, I know. Um, uh, P. Diddy per. Brian D, let's call him. Oh, I can't believe P Diddy wrote him. Yeah, yeah. exactly. The audience, the audience is it's gone it's wide gone reaching. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> How do I get my seven-year-old to be confident without training wheels? She's definitely afraid to ride without them. Um. Wow. Uh, yeah. I would say that you. The worst thing you can do is probably push them to do something that they don't want to do because. If she's nervous about it, then the likelihood is she'll be sort of stiff and, you know, maybe crash. And if she crashes, then she won't ever want to do it again uh, if she comes off at that point. But if you do manage to kind of persuade her to come off the training wheels or the stabilizers, then you've always got to remember that it's the same as when you learn to ride a bike and that is that it's the speed of the wheels that gives you your balance so there's no point in trying to get somebody to learn how to ride a bike at three miles per hour because no. they're going to lose their balance it's the momentum yeah and so what i would say is find a if you can find a really long gradual downhill on grass it might not be that easy to find i just happened to have one next to me when my when my lad was uh, taking his stabilizers off he had a balanced bike. So you could try doing that as well. So if, she, if she's seven with a you know a normal bike with pedals and got the stabilizers on as well, you can take the stabilizers off, put the saddle right down, and then take the pedals or, or all of the cranks off so that she can get her feet on the floor, just pick them up when she's going down a hill, and that will just give her an idea of balance because I'm sure she's got the braking as well. But it's just a matter of trying to sort of you know make it fun. Don't push them into it. And the fact that speed is what gives you the balance. So if you haven't got that, then you're, you're going to come off anyway. It's all good advice. Um, Connor Verbruggen asks, 
Has there ever been a video that was such a pain to shoot or edit that is never actually posted? I know you guys were saying you're aiming to do like two videos a day, so that that could actually be the case. Um, there's not much that doesn't see the light of day, I have to say. Um, I think we've done something in a team car with somebody a couple of years ago, um, which just didn't feel right because... You know, right from the very beginning when we had the full support of, of YouTube and they gave us a load of advice, that, right, you know, your videos have got to be really snappy, the introduction's got to be less than 15 seconds because people might flick to another video if something's not happening by then. Um, and it was just it was just quite long-winded, so although I was finding it quite interesting, um, you know, actually it was probably only sort of relevant to a certain number of people watching the channel in terms of you've got to be, you had to be really interested in cycling to watch it, whereas... We try to make videos that have got something, something for the people that are really into it, and something for the people just starting out. So, into answering the question, that I, apart from that, I can't. I'm sure there are a number of videos that didn't see the light of day, but certainly not many. That's a pretty good hit rate, though. That is a pretty yeah. good hit rate. Um, I've got one which is probably. Uh, I, I just it love feels I just, up. <laughs> it. It feels made up, but I love it. I'm going to ask you it anyway. It's from Kwamba Fu, whose profile also says he's an interdimensional transsexual extraterrestrial, uh, which, wow. is a, which is a good start. Yeah. He asks, um, can you ask Dan if he fakes orgasms and what the fastest animal on the planet is? Um, I, I don't fake them, no. Okay. Um, fastest animal on the planet. I should know the answer to this. I'm sure I heard about this about two months ago. Jaguar. Uh, I'm just going to say cheetah. I know that's wrong. I would have said cheetah. Okay. I think it might be a bird, isn't it? Or is that is it it going to be a land mammal? I don't know. It's a good question. You didn't get you didn't get back to me with the details, did you? I I really should. I really should delve deeper. (laughs) There we go. Uh, Right. Listen. Dan, it's been it's been brilliant having you on. Um, we, we, we're big fans of the show. Um, if you could just sort of give us a summary of where everyone can find you, so they can follow you um, uh, on social media and so on and so forth. Yeah, sure. Uh, so you can find us on youtube.com forward slash GCN. That'll take you straight to our homepage there. Um, Global Cycling Network on Facebook, GCN Tweet on Twitter, Global Cycling Network on Instagram as well. And then I'm Daniel Lloyd One on Twitter. So you can find me there if you ever want anything. If you want to ask me these amazing questions about orgasms and you know, fastest animals, I'm, I'm always there. I generally reply as well. Top, top man. Okay. So... Um, after all that, thank you for all your tweets and questions. Dan, who is the winner? Oh, you've got me with the name, but I'm going to go for the person who asked about uh, taking his seven-year-old daughter's, didn't say stabilizers, I forget, training wheels off. Training wheels, yeah. yeah. yeah so, so it's Brian I presume they're Americans then, training wheels. Yeah. He's from Parsippany in New Jersey, USA. Well done, Brian. Well done, Brian. Some match on, did, on its way. Did you, see the, did you see the deduction I did there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, right. So, listen. Um, I think without, I think, I think, um, you know, I think we can wrap this up. Um, Dan, listen, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for coming on the yeah, City Dad podcast your time today. Thanks for having yeah, me. Really appreciate it. Keep up the great no work, worries. and um, yeah, uh, thanks again for coming on. All right. No worries. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Cheers Dan. All right. So that there you go. Fascinating interview, and many, many congratulations to Brian D. Um, 
some match will be winging its way over to you. We'll obviously after this we'll send out a tweet on the release of this episode and get in touch and DM us your details and we'll 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 send those items out to you. You could have been a bit closer, Brian. That's uh, yeah, you know, Jesus. Thanks for we, we, that. We weren't expecting a nice, you know, having to send over the pond, for goodness sake. Damn but, it, you know. Brian. Damn you, Brian. <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things. Because <laughs> we have to send them to the US. <laughs> yeah. No, in, in all seriousness, thank you for your question. And I think everyone everyone actually took something from that. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, but yeah, so, um, Johan. Uh, Brian. So tell us how the good folks in Podland can, uh, Podland. can, can reach out to us. Well, we are literally anywhere. And everywhere, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So if you're looking for us on any of those channels, we're at CityDadNet. Um, follow us, tweet us, abuse us, talk to us. We're there. Oh, we're on SoundCloud as well now. And on SoundCloud now. So we'd like your comments. Um, if you like what we've done today... Stitcher. Stitcher. Thank you. I'll, I'll just randomly th- you just, call out other things. Go on. And what, of course the web, and of course the website citydad.net. Citydad.net. Yeah. yeah. So literally anywhere and we are on there. So if you're looking for interaction or you're looking for a bit of bit of attention, come to us. We're there. We'll interact. If you want a a, a bit of attention and interaction, yeah. we give them a a, a web stroke, a yeah. stroke over the web. That's right. Okay. A bit of chat. Um, we'd love it if uh, obviously reach out to us and you know give us your thoughts on what you who you want on and you know, we're really doing this for us and you. I mean that's that sounds cheesy but it's true. Um, also, um, do you want some crackers with that? Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and um, we'd love it if you give us a, a review, ideally with five stars. That would be be great. Um, yeah. On iTunes, we'd love that. We you know we want your feedback, please. Um, um, but yeah, that, that's uh, that's that, is that it? That's it for this week. That's it. Well, I'm I'm loving it, and thank you once again. For yeah. Your... Thanks for listening. Yeah. yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.